What up, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and this is my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today, we're going to jump into a bunch of different topics. We're going to talk about Luca. To start off, though, Luca has been on a historic tear as of late. He's had three games over the last six with 50 points or more, um, including the all-time great regular season game of 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Ben, what are your thoughts on just the way Luca's playing right now? It's absurd. Luca Magic has been unbelievable these past handful of games. Uh, and the craziest part about all of it is that they need every single point he scores to win these games. He puts up 51 against the Spurs and they win by a point. Um, he's been unbelievable. I texted you the, the averages over the last five games. 46 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists on 71% true shooting. That is all-time great numbers. Nobody has ever averaged a 45-point triple-double over five straight games. He's been unbelievable, and the fact that the percentages are so good is what I'm so impressed by. I'm right there with you. I've come on this podcast and complained about the play style, and it's still not my favorite, but at some point, greatness is just greatness, right? Um, The percentages is absolutely what I've been impressed by. This season... He has uh, 51% from the floor, 37% from three, and 74% from the free throw line. If we just look back to the 2018-2019 season when James Harden led the league in scoring with 36 points per game, and he was doing very similar stuff to what Luka was doing. He was the first guy in NBA history with a 60-point triple-double, but his percentages were 44 and 37. Luka's seven percentage points higher than him in just normal field goal percentage. Uh, What he's doing right now is freaking crazy. And even though the Mavericks aren't an elite team by any stretch of the imagination, like just Luca's performance alone, like his counting numbers are throwing him into the MVP conversation. They're the fourth seed right now. They won't end there. I doubt it. Um, But he's just incredible. The fact that they're a four seed right now is pretty incredible. The West is insanely packed right now. There are so many teams that could be a one seed if they did a, if they had a really good week and a half. Yeah. Um, but the what Luke is doing right now is unbelievable. Scoring 34 points per game is impressive. Scoring, having a 62% true shooting rate at the end of a season is impressive. Doing both is unheard of. And the thing that I don't quite understand He is the second lowest defensive rating on his team in 1,200 minutes. So that's a very good sample size. Um, I think when you watch him in the fourth quarter, it's clear he's not some high-level defender. But he tries his ass off those first three quarters. As long as he's got juice, as long as he actually has a little bit of energy in the tank, he tries his ass off on defense. He's got two and a half steals over the last five games. Yeah, and what he lacks in athleticism, he provides in size. People forget this dude's like 6'9", 240 pounds. This is mm-hmm. a big dude. This is not a small guy um, doing what he's doing out there. So he can still contest shots. He can get his hands in passing lanes. And he can body up guys that are smaller than him on the defensive end of the ball. So, yeah, Luca, he's insane right now. And we, I mean, we went on a podcast not too long ago arguing Tatum was better than Luca. Love Tatum. It's not true. Uh, probably me and you were in prisoners of the moment. Luca's just the better player. Um, but yeah, what he's doing right now is is unheard of. It really is. Like this is a historical thing we're seeing right now. And you know, me, you have compared to me off the podcast that he is very similar to LeBron in the sense that he is this all time talent. 
that has subpar talent around him, but because he's so great, he's going to lead them to postseason success. And we saw him last year do it with the Western Conference Finals. Like they should not have been there. Um, and it's kind of feeling they're doing like that. They're doing that again this year, like with Luca just leading the team to a four seed right now. I doubt they end up there, like I said earlier, but for them to even be in that position right now is is just absurd with how deep the West is. It definitely feels like it's similar to those first that first Cavs stint for LeBron, where I don't know, I couldn't conceive of a way that the Mavs could instantly become like contenders around Luka. With the talent they have, with the picks they have, I don't know what kind of moves they could make to get them there. Um, LeBron James joined a team that was not ready to be a finals contender. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what's happening right now with Luca. And if it happens on a similar trajectory, I start feeling like, how long is he going to be a Mav for? Yeah. And Bill Simmons, credit to him on this. He brought up on his podcast, like when the Cavs drafted LeBron, because instantly you knew LeBron was going to be like a top 15, 30 guy ever. It accelerates your timeline so fast that you can't really build a team organically around these guys because they force you to win, even when you probably shouldn't be. Very similar things happening with Luka here. Um, Their first year that they had him, the pick went to the Hawks because they traded for Luka Doncic. Um, So they didn't get another young guy to pair with him. The Dennis Smith Jr. Luka Doncic pairing did not work from the second they tried it. Um, So they haven't really had time to put young, growing players around this dude. And now that he's... I don't know, top three guy in the league? Like, is it Giannis Jokic Luka? That it might makes, be. I think that I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, um, so I think that, that number three spot is a cycling door. I don't know yeah. that anybody holds on to that number three spot for long, but Luka's right. got it at the moment. Exactly. Um, so they can't really build a, an organic team around him. No, they can't. And I don't know what that means for them in this postseason. I don't know what that means for them going forward. The fact that they've won five straight is good for them. <clears throat> it's kind of worrying that it took 46 points a game from Luca to get them five wins. But when he's playing like this, man, you know, props to him in terms of most valuable player. Uh, most of the time we give it to the best guy on the best team, or we try to, yeah. but in terms of value you bring to your team, Luca has to be number one or number two. I think it's one this season. I do think what he's doing, he's just backpacking this team. And I've, I've argued that the Mavs role players are better than people are giving them credit for. That's one of my talking points on this, but what he's doing, it, it transcends like how good the talent around him is or whatever, like what he's doing. He's single handedly leading this team to wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. As much as you can complain about the play style and it's not a fun play style all the time to watch him just pound the ball into the dirt. If he can put up 34 points per game on an efficiency that nobody else in the NBA can touch, yeah. you kind of just like, you have to let him do it. And it's, it's 34 points per game also with t- like nine rebounds and nine assists. Yeah. That's that he's just controlling the game at every level. And yes, he has the ball in his hands the whole time, but when you're doing it this efficiently, when you're, you know, passing out to open shooters, you kind of can't knock on it. Um, you know, does it work in the postseason? He's shown us that he makes it work in the postseason. He's a Michael Jordan level level playoff performer. Correct. 
So I, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have a lot to say other than it's not my favorite thing to watch. That's, yeah. that's kind of all I really have to say. And right now I've even enjoyed watching what he's doing lately. Cause it's so ridiculous. Yeah. People talk about, uh, people compare his, this sort of thing to Russell Westbrook's MVP year. And, and the thing I MVP. think, yeah. yeah. And the thing you got to remember about Russ's MVP year is he wasn't a shooter and his decision-making was not excellent. There is no postseason defense that can shut down Luka Doncic. It really, it doesn't matter what you try to throw at him. He's going to score on anybody you put in front of him. Um, I, I'm just excited to see them in the playoffs and I don't have high hopes, unfortunately. This is a team as constructed. It feels like Western Conference final might be their peak. When you talk about like how the Clippers are heating up right now or the Nuggets or any of those top teams, I just can't see Luka beating them single-handedly. Yeah, and I'm with you. And you referenced the Westbrook season just for context, 42% from the floor and 34% from three. Like those those are both below average. The mm-hmm. Harden one is a step up, 44 and 37. Luca's just taken another jump to that, 51 and 37. Yeah. Like when you put that in context, it is kind of hard to be upset about the usage, right? It So what at that point, right? Yeah. Like so what no one else is touching the ball because this dude's getting a bucket every time he touches the ball. So... Um, Yeah, but in terms of just postseason success, unfortunately, I do agree with you. I think that Western Conference Finals appearance is their peak. It reminds me similarly to the Dame Western Conference Finals, Mm. where it's like they almost got to the mountaintop, faced a team, the same team, actually, the Warriors. They couldn't get over the hump. And then it's just time to kind of reshuffle the deck. Um, So we'll we'll see for sure but yeah in terms of i'm just gonna enjoy it for now like i just want to see luca cook people um and after me giving him some criticism it's actually fun to be proven wrong where he's just like yes i have the ball in the hand my hands the entire game but it doesn't fucking matter pretty much yeah um I yeah you just have to you just have to admire it that's really all you can do it doesn't matter how annoying of a play style it might be if you're putting up 50 points in in like every couple of games it's unbelievable um let's pivot let's talk about the Clippers and how they've been doing recently how they've been heating up recently Kawhi Leonard is playing and he's doing well um and he's doing great yeah and we haven't been able to say that for most of the season he didn't yeah. play a lot and then he played and he was average and he was just trying to shot chuck but now he's competing and he's impacting winning yeah so i i mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago that my new strategy with Kawhi is to pretend he was retired so it wouldn't frustrate me when he didn't play um but now he's playing he played in a back-to-back in toronto and when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, like, this is a new guy. He probably hasn't done that since 2015. Um, but so since the Celtics game, where he absolutely was the best player on the floor, it wasn't close. 10 for 12 from the floor, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. He was the best guy out there. Um, since that game, he has looked like a top 7 guy in the league. Uh, and for a guy who, when he started the season, looked pretty horrible... Um, there's, he's starting to get back to his spots at will the shots going in. He's really struggled from three this year. And I think that's kind of a testament to him having a knee injury, right? Like his legs probably aren't all the way back, Mm -hmm. but I mean, the last few games, 24 points, 26 points, 28 points, 31, 25, like he's starting to put it together. Um, and it's so fun to see, you know, one of my favorite player of all time, kind of come back to life a little bit. 
it is really good to see. I don't think I can put him top seven yet. Um, <clears throat> I think that might be a little high. I think I could give you seven names that you'd rather yeah, have. No, you're but right, you're right. just to see him, you know, being an automatic mid-range shooter, that's basically what we're seeing is any shot within the three-point arc he is going to hit. Um, 10 of 12, 12 of 19, 11 for 16. Those are excellent games. And the way he was shooting at the start of the season, it didn't seem like we were going to get that from him this year. Uh, but it makes me hopeful for the Clippers just as a team going forward. Paul George has been excellent yeah. and they play really well together and they're a really deep team. Um, I kind of fell off the Clippers bandwagon a bit because of how terrible they started. But if Kawhi yeah. Leonard is here to stay, the team's going to fight for a top seed. Yeah, and you mentioned Paul George. Paul George is having a sneaky, unbelievable season. Uh, 24 points per game, 46% from the floor, 39% from three, and 89% from the free throw line. Incredible efficiency. Still a good defender. Still a good playmaker. He's he's the total package, and he had an awesome game. I don't know if it was last night or two nights ago. I think he had like 45 and he's had a few of those games this season where he just explodes for a ton of points. And he's he's still one of the best forwards in the league. Um, and he showed to us last time he was in the postseason, he doesn't have those demons like he used to. He still had a few stinkers, but he also had a few unbelievable games. So I don't know. My hopes are starting to get back up with this team. Just seeing Kawhi be out there multiple games in a row and play well in multiple games in a row. That's a very encouraging thing for this team. Yeah, and I think I've liked the back and forth between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, where Paul George was clearly like, okay, being the second guy. Right. I think at this point, he's taken the top guy mantle for this team, for now. Um, while Kawhi rehabs, eventually he'll get back into it. But Paul George is the guy. He's the guy taking the most shots every night. He should be the guy taking the most shots every night. He's one of the smoothest offensive players in basketball. Something cool with the Clippers that I've noticed that just makes me happy is when Kawhi's out there, they still treat him like he's a top five player on the earth. Like they double team him every time he catches the ball. If you're watching Clipper games right now, the second he catches it, they send two at him. And he's done an incredible job keeping the ball moving and finding open guys. And then Paul George is the best guy to pass it to in those situations because he can catch up and shoot. He can dribble and drive, or he can be a secondary playmaker and find someone open. Uh, this team's really cool. And I also want to highlight Zubac a little bit because he he's sneaky good, man. Like he's just a really good player. When he had when he's playing a, a smaller team, he can just go to work in the paint and just dunk on everyone and grab every board available. So this team's pretty fun. Um I, I'm looking forward to this team in the postseason too. I know we're only 35 or so games into the season, but this is a team that I think is just going to grow steam as the season goes on. I agree. Uh, this is a team that does a lot of small ball five, yeah. and they do it pretty effectively, better than most teams in the NBA. And then when they throw out Zubots there for the typical like one in, four out sort of strategy, he does a really, really good job. He's great at getting offensive rebounds. He doesn't ask for many shots. Most of his shot attempts are like putbacks and that sort of stuff. Um, he's really just out there to play good defense and get rebounds for other people. And he does that perfectly. Um, what do you think going forward for the Clippers? We had very, very high hopes for them when the season started. Yeah. And then we had to dwindle them pretty quickly when Kawhi Leonard disappeared. Um, yeah. How are you feeling now? I'm somewhere in the middle of what I expected from them preseason and what I expected from them a couple weeks ago when Kawhi looked pretty bad. 
Um, I was completely out on them when Kawhi was missing games, disappearing, said he wasn't, he didn't know when he would be coming back. And then preseason on my head, I had them winning the championship. <laughs> so I'm somewhere in the middle where I think this is a team that no one wants to face in the postseason. I think this is a massive headache for any opponent. Um, just the wing depth that they have and just, you know, John Wall's playing pretty well this year. Not awesome, but pretty well. They, they're they getting contributions from him. I mentioned Zubats, who obviously no one can defend Jokic, but if I'm choosing a guy to match body type, it's him and DeAndre Ayton in the Western Conference of guys who are just built similarly. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm happy with this team. I think they're struggling offensively, but I think that improves, obviously, as Kawhi becomes what he is. Um, but yeah, so I'm somewhere in the middle. I think this team's going to be a tough out in the postseason. I think that's totally reasonable. <clears throat> Something about Kawhi that I think we have to say is right now he is not the defender that he used to be. Um, I in the possessions I've seen they they hide him occasionally on defense and they put him on the guy in the corner. Um, I haven't seen too many possessions where Kawhi is intentionally guarding anybody good on the other team. Um, but the fact that he's bringing top tier offense or he's starting to. I, I think it bodes well, even if he never ends up being the all defensive level guy he used to be, which is kind of hard to predict. Um, you know, obviously he's still going to impact winning. Obviously he's still going to be a top 10 player. Yeah. I, I don't think it's reasonable almost to expect that from him at this point. Yeah. Um, but he's still, he's super active. Like in the Boston game, you saw him making a lot of plays defensively, but he wasn't sitting in the chair mm-hmm. and locking up Tatum the whole game, right? right. Like th- that's that's like prime prime Kawhi Toronto right. San Antonio guy. Um, but ju- I think it'll come, right? I think he's shown flashes of that, and so I think at some point we can expect that from him. But right now, as he's kind of finding his groove again, maybe that's something we'll have to wait for. I I totally agree. Um, let's pivot to Zion. Let's just talk about what he's been doing recently. He's his scoring has exploded. He had a really good 43 point night, a career high against Minnesota, got to the free throw line at will. Uh, he's putting up 26 points a game right now on 60% field goal percentage. Uh, unbelievable. Absolutely un- unbelievable stuff from him. And the Pelicans are fighting for that one seed. They're insane. The Pelicans are so fun. Um, such a such a cool team to watch uh zion especially like we texted uh the other day like just about his potential as literally being the best player in the league like Mm -hmm. i i really do see that for him one day it's going to be tough with luca there obviously because he's that guy as well but you know for years it was lebron one kd two and it kind of wasn't even a question curry curry kind of popped in that conversation when he won back-to-back mvps but KD and LeBron were the one and two, right? Yeah. I think this next generation is just going to be Luka and Zion. Like right now it's Giannis Jokic, right? And then the next one's going to be Luka Zion. Uh, what Zion did in that 43-point game was so absurd. He scored 14 straight points to end the game and win the game for his team in the fourth quarter. And it was just, <laughs> there's nothing you could do to stop him. He's a He's unbelievable, man. He is so strong. And the touch that he has is incredible. He can go right through you or he can go around you with a lefty hook shot on the baseline. This, the touch he has around the paint is insane. And I love watching the Pelicans just give him the ball and get out of the way. 
Um, something that's made this kind of easy for them is Brandon Ingram has missed a ton of games recently. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of removed the question about who's our number one guy and it's just feeds eye on and let him cook. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think when Brandon Ingram comes back into this team, that's watching Zion do what he's doing right now. Yeah. Um, I think he's just going to fit in pretty seamlessly. Yeah. If you're Willie green, it shouldn't be a question when Ingram comes back, who's the guy we have. Yeah. To, it's like ridiculous to even question it at this yeah. point. Like Zion showing you right now, he's an all NBA level talent. Mm-hmm. Um, If it weren't for Giannis and Tatum, this guy's putting up a first team all NBA performance this year he is but it's just tatum and Giannis are doing some crazy ass shit right now yeah um but in the years coming up i mean this is this is a first team all nba guy this is a guy who can lead you to a championship i'm guessing um so to argue over who's taking the last shot and like who should get the ball the most and stuff it would just be foolish if zion wasn't the answer to all of those questions i i agree the Pelicans as a team are fun as hell. You said it already, but offensively and defensively, they are so explosive. CJ McCollum had 11 threes the other day in a win. He's shooting 38% from three right now on seven threes a game. Chocolate. His three-point shooting was not good at the start of the year, but he's been excellent recently. Uh, but the mix of high-level offensive talent and then extremely lethal defensive wings is It's so fun to watch that game against Minnesota. They give the ball to Ant for the last play of the game. Ant tries to drive baseline and Dyson Daniels stuffs his shit and the game ends. They're unbelievable. He's a rookie and they're unbelievable. Yeah. For the Pelicans to draft the two best wing defenders in a very long time in consecutive drafts is a little ridiculous. Like Dyson Daniels is incredible. And Herb Jones, we were talking pre-show like, I watched Memphis, New Orleans last night. What Herb Jones does on a night-to-night basis defensively is just fucking ridiculous. He's in every passing lane. He's sitting in the chair and locking up the best player on the other team. Like, he's just absurd. Um, To have him and Dyson Daniels surrounding Zion, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous how deep this team is in every facet of the game. Yeah, and it's, you know, top down. The coaching staff is great. The training guys are great. Dyson Daniels came into the NBA as a guy that could not hit an outside shot to save his life. You can go watch his highlights. He wasn't good at it. He's shooting 39% on three threes a game right now. And it's a testament to the shooting coaches that are in New Orleans. They fixed uh, Lonzo's shot. They fixed Brandon Ingram's shot. They've done some great work with CJ. Um top down it's just an excellently run organization and the fact that they're missing an all-star in brandon ingram and they're as good as they are is is it's just amazing it's unbelievable and the dyson daniels pick i absolutely love i love that selection yes his defense is incredible but also like he is such a steadying presence for this team when the ball's in his hands you kind of feel like he's a 15 year vet but he's a rookie uh, that level of comfort from a rookie, like I can see him playing in the postseason. Not a ton of minutes, obviously, but like, will you feel good if Dyson Daniels is on the court for yeah. a five minute stretch? Yeah. Absolutely. He's 19 years old. It's insane. It's unbelievable. They did a great job drafting. They did a great job surrounding Zion with really, really good, talented role players. The great thing is none of them ask for too many shots. I still think CJ shoots more than he needs to. He's averaging 18 shot attempts a game. But when you look at it and you see that Zion's attempting nine free throws a game, Zion's attempting more shots. 
Right. It's just the I, field goal attempts are higher with CJ. I've actually kind of changed my mind on the CJ thing because this team's one weakness is the three-point shooting, just how many they get up. So I'm actually okay with CJ just chucking at mm. this point because they need someone to do it because Brandon Ingram's more comfortable in the mid-range. Honest, obviously, Zion's in the paint endlessly. So yeah. to have a guy who's just like, fuck it, I'm chucking this up, that's actually not a horrible thing for this team. But I want to move on to a team we didn't put on our docket today, but I just want to give some credit to the Golden State Warriors. Um, Steph Curry, as we know, has been hurt. Jordan Poole is going fucking bananas. Uh, he's been absurd as of late. He's carrying this team offensively. 41, 26, 24, 32, 43. 29 like he's just one of the better scorers in the entire league it seems like every single night there's a new move he puts on someone that ends up on like sports center top 10 or just blowing up on twitter he's incredible he's been keeping this team afloat all the young guys on the warriors are kind of finding their roles like i've been super impressed by kaminga um what are your thoughts on the warriors not being horrible without steph curry it's really, really encouraging, not just without Steph Curry, but without Andrew Wiggins as well for the last four games. And they've won all four of them. Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah, it is insane. Jonathan Kaminga went from getting DNPs early in the season to being left out in crunch time and playing yeah. excellent defense and getting excellent opportunities off cuts. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo's had some big moments, but Jordan Poole's been the guy. Over the last four games, he's putting up 31 points a game, and he's doing it relatively efficiently. He won them the game against Portland. Um, we kind of just expected them to be ass without Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Early in the season and last year and probably the year before that, if you watch the Warriors team without Steph Curry, you're watching a G League team. Um, you're <laughs> And the fact that they're winning games without Steph Curry right now, it's unbelievable. The team chemistry, the championship DNA, it's here. And honestly, it's it's altered how I view the Western Conference. I still feel like it goes through Golden State, and they're sitting at the eighth seed here today. Um, you know, with these guys starting to play like how we expect them to play, and Clay Thompson, like we spoke about him multiple times on this podcast, he hasn't found a rhythm, but as of late, he's been okay. Not great, but okay, and that's yeah. better than he, it was at the beginning of the season. So if these guys are slowly finding their roles – and Steph Curry is the easiest guy on earth to plug back into a team. I have no concerns about this team moving forward. I think they're going to start dominating when he comes back. I totally agree with you. Clay Thompson's only played three of the last four games without Steph, but he's shooting 38% from three on a hefty amount of threes. Um, He's been a big part of their success. It's just the fact that they're all playing together as a unit that's leading to the success that we're seeing from them. Um, You're right. Steph is maybe the most portable superstar that's ever existed. Um, you can plug him in. If you plug him into this team and they're rolling and they're winning games with like really good role player help, um, Steph Curry is just going to dominate. He's already having one of his best seasons of all time. Yep. And you throw him back in that the Warriors are just going to keep taking off. It's crazy that they're tied for the eighth seed right now. It's so interesting what to do with Jordan Poole as well, because we're seeing what he can do here, right? Like he's having multiple 30-point nights, multiple 40-point nights. This is a guy that they kind of use as a hybrid six-man. Um, At some point, like just put the guy in the starting lineup, but the it's the connection to Klay Thompson that's preventing them from doing it. But the dribble creation Jordan Poole gives to you on a nightly basis is just freaking crazy. The creation's insane. 
He's just not particularly efficient. No. 43% from the field, 31%, 32% from three. Um, 89 or 87% from the line. The line, that's pretty good. But the the field goal and the three-point percentage just isn't very good. But you see it when he starts games, he looks more empowered. He looks better. Right. And this is also, like we talked about CJ McCollum's percentages. Like Jordan Poole started off the season probably the worst you could possibly could like I don't know if you remember the ice cold stretch he was at the beginning of the season but it was embarrassing and mm-hmm. people, like Warriors fans were nervous about the contract they just gave him and now he's being the best he's the best offensive player on a team without Steph Curry right now so all the attention's going towards him it makes sense that his efficiency isn't incredible um I, I don't know. I'm just, this team's a unit. This team's scary moving forward, in my opinion. I think the West still moves through this team, even though they're the eighth seed. I totally think that's reasonable. And Andrew Wiggins missing four games is huge. He is one of their steadiest presences on the entire team. And he's one of the best catch and shoot guys in the entire NBA. Yeah. Um, I was looking up the percentages and on catch and shoot threes, Andrew Wiggins is something like 48% right now. Um, he's been incredible and he's so consistent on the defensive end. It's hard to imagine they've won four games without him and Steph. It's just, it's really, really impressive. I'm just excited. This team's not a joke because yes. uh, I love to see the world's best players perform well. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, the way Steph's playing this year, I want him to be on a good team. And even though he's not playing as this team improves, like when he comes back, I think this is a unit around him that can still compete and contend and really go head to head with the Denver's or the Memphis's or the, or the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, It's good to see them kind of finally catching their rhythm. Yeah. I think if you're a superstar talent and you're playing on a team that has no chance of doing anything, it's just sad. Um, So with that, let's pivot to the Lakers and let's talk about LeBron James. Uh, just turned 38 years old, put up 47 on his 38th birthday, and he made it clear to the press and to you know the Lakers front office, I am not just doing this to be good at basketball. The goal is to win. The goal is to win championships. That is what I'm in the NBA for at this point in my career. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that statement and just what we're seeing from LeBron? So I love it. I think it's an awesome thing to say. Put the pressure on Rob Polinka because that dude sucks at his job. Um, now, do I agree with Rob Polinka right now to not trade the picks and get more players? Unfortunately, I do. This LeBron here is going to go to waste, which is so stupid in the grand scheme of things. But that's what happens when you trade all your role players for Russell Westbrook, right? That's just, that's how it goes. Um, but I, I love that he's putting pressure on the front office and we've seen this from LeBron before. Um, he's done it in kind of like, passive aggressive bullshit ways and mm-hmm. i think not too long ago he was complimenting like the king's roster construction or something like like yeah. something stupid like that i'm glad he was just umph- up front and basically like dude this is bullshit like you see what i can do still i think what what is he a top 12 guy still he's yeah. gotta be right yes. um so to have one of those guys and like either the first or second player like best player of all time on your team and you're just the 13th seed you probably shouldn't trade the picks, but I love that he's being upfront and honest with the front office about it. Yeah, it's a lot better than retweeting people's posts about the Rams trading first round picks and <laughs> yeah. him talking about like, oh man, imagine having a GM that would do that. Yeah. Like it's a lot, a lot less passive aggressive. Right. Uh, LeBron James is having an incredible season scoring the ball inside the arc. His three point shot has not yeah. fallen really this season, but he is still LeBron. He still can get to the hoop at will. Um, 
he's so strong still. He goes through people so easily. And it is a bummer just to know that this doesn't mean anything. Um, they've gotten some important role players back. Thomas Bryant's healthy and he's important. Schroeder's important. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's interesting because it's it this team as I'm watching. It's like they kind of do feel like a piece or two away for me personally, but it's very specific things they need. They need, just need abundant shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you drop Seth Curry and Joe Harris onto this team, I mean, they're a good fucking team in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Thomas Bryant's a guy that I like and I think they should keep around. I've been impressed by him. Lonnie Walker has been a very pleasant surprise this mm-hmm. season. Feels eerily similar to what Malik Monk did last season for them. Um, obviously Anthony Davis was ridiculous when playing LeBron absurd and that's kind of where the the line ends right like those four guys I've been impressed with everyone else can kind of go and leave yeah um so it'll be interesting to see what they do this off season because I explained to you I think off the podcast that if they wait till the summer they they're allowed to trade a third first round pick mm-hmm if you're the Lakers trading three unprotected first round picks, which everyone's drooling over, right? Because this organization is run so poorly. Um, you're going to be able to bring in a big fish. And I don't know who that is at that point, but uh, it could drastically change the outlook of LeBron's next year with the Lakers. Who knows? And I think it has to for LeBron to stay a Laker. Um, I don't think he's above asking for a trade if he sees a third dog shit year in a row and the Lakers just making no attempts to go find improvements. I don't think he would, and I wouldn't blame him. Um, I I really wouldn't. I think he should be on a team that is competing for championships right now. And with a healthy Anthony Davis and with all of the role players you traded away to get you Russell Westbrook, it would have, you would have been championship contender. Um, Maybe they'll trade those three first round picks, man. You know, maybe we'll see. One thing I want to say now that I'm sure I'm going to say multiple times for the rest of the season, Russell Westbrook is not the sixth man of the year. He's not. Brain name recognition is a huge thing in the NBA when it comes to giving out awards. Uh, but on a team that is the 13th seed in the West, a team that is not really being competitive, a rewarding 15 points, six boards, eight assists. The eight assists are awesome, but it's just not six man of the year level impact. I'm with you. Um, I think I've complimented him more this season than I have his entire career. <laughs> but yeah, this guy's not the sixth man of the year. He's just not. Uh, what he's doing is important for this team, but he's still not a great fit. And he's still not. He's shooting 28% from three guys like. 41 from the field, six, uh, 28 from the floor, and 60, I mean, sorry, 28 from three, 68 from the free throw line. Like, th- those are horrible percentages. Yeah, offensive uh, rating of 100. Yeah, um, it's, it's terrible. Not, it's awful, it's awful. So that he shouldn't even be in the conversation. Um, I think I threw him out, actually, as an honor- honorable mention as we did our early awards episode, but... I think he's I mean, a betting favorite at the moment. Which is absurd. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, I don't think, I didn't think I would have to say it, but I saw him as the betting favorite, and I think it's got to be said, he's not the sixth man of the year. Right, and we also need to talk about, like, how the Lakers are potentially, like, one piece away from, like, or a couple pieces away from being a very good team. They're also, like, one injury away from being probably the worst team in the league. I yes. mean, they're they're only five games better than the Houston Rockets. Yes, what happens if LeBron hurts his knee? This, he's out I mean, for two weeks. Then the Pelicans get Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> That's what happens, <laughs> oh, honestly. 
I would love it. I would really, so really love it. It's really, it's really, really like I agree with LeBron. Like they should take advantage of what he's doing right now. But at the same time, this season is so far gone for them. Yeah. The West is so deep, and they're five games out from being the seventh seed, and they're five games out from being the worst team in the league. So they're they're just in this weird gray area where they just kind of have to keep chugging along and just admire what LeBron can do. Yep. This is the last year you have to pay Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And then they're off the books. Yep. So if you just want to grit your teeth and bear it and LeBron's just going to complain all year and you're just going to, you know, Rob Palenka is just going to block his ears. La 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 la. Yeah. Um, whatever. <laughs> you know, right. like you might just have to do that because there's no chance you're really going to win anything this year. If, if the Lakers just get a bunch of role guys in free agency or make small trades that kind of just help LeBron's skill set, right? Like, let's say they just bring in guys who can shoot and play defense. Do you think next year they're a title contender? Or do you still think, like, it's they need a third guy? Or do you, like, how far away do you think this team actually is? So the tricky part about that is take any team that is good or mediocre and add three incredible shooters and defenders and they'd become a much better team. Um, so, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's hard to say, of course, if they were able to hit the jackpot in free agents in free yeah. agency and yeah. sign every role player they could imagine, they could be a great team. Right. Um, I still think, you know, with the money you're shedding, with the $47 million you're shedding, getting rid of Russell Westbrook, you could throw a fat contract at somebody. Um, yeah. I hope it's not like they end up with Grant Williams at the end of it all, paying him $25 mil a year. Uh, honestly, though, like, let's say they bring in Grant Williams and Jordan Clarkson. Like, that team gets infinitely better. Oh, it is a lot better. Yeah, but yeah. if you're if you're talking about, like, the great things the Lakers could do in free agency and then you have overplay, overpaid role players... That feels very Rob Palenka to me. Okay. Um, but yes, if they were able to get a bunch of really good shooters and defenders, this team would be great. This team would be championship caliber because you've already got two incredible superstars. I'm looking at some of the free agents coming up, and they have an opportunity to really improve their squad. It's not they're not guaranteed these guys. Let's make that very clear. But mm -hmm. there are some players in this year's NBA free agent class that could really improve them. But are there yeah, names you could throw out? Yeah, yeah. Seth Curry is one of them. Gary Trent Jr. is another. Harrison Barnes. Uh, Karis LeVert. Uh, who did I just mention two seconds ago? Jordan Clarkson. Terrence Ross. Like, there are some guys who just okay. absolutely light it up from three-point range. Josh Hart. Another. Here's what I'll I say with the Lakers. Perfect. Yeah. Here's the thing I think the Lakers need. I think Anthony Davis has made himself clear he does not want to be a center. I don't yeah. care if he's great as a center. I don't care if the Lakers are great as a center. He keeps hurting himself and he's made it clear. He doesn't want to do it. Okay. Either rock with Thomas Bryant as your center, give him starting level minutes or go get a center and you can play Anthony Davis at the four. Right. Um, as much as we shit on AD for being hurt all the time, like he's made it clear. This is not the type of basketball he wants to be playing. Right. Do you think they sign Nikola Vucevic and, and are happy with that? I would be happy with that if I was the Lakers because Anthony Davis gives you your rim protection and Vucevic gives you a big sturdy body you could put in front of somebody. Okay. Um, that could work. There but how some... much would you have to pay him? Exactly. You're probably going to pay him $20 million a year. Yeah. Would you rather have Grant Williams on 2025 or Vucevic on 2025 mil? In terms of role player portability, Grant Williams is the better guy. In terms Grant of Williams. player ceiling, Vucevic is the better guy. I want I want Grant Williams. I think that's fair. Over Vuce, but 
there's basically to wrap it up there there's room for them to improve yes so those three first round picks plus having money in free agency because russell westbrook's coming off the books they can either land a really big fish or really kind of flesh out this crop of free agents to make their team respectable yes i yeah totally well said uh, before we wrap it up, I just want to get into the MVP race this year and just talk about how ridiculously packed it's been yeah. um, in a lot of seasons in the NBA. I feel like the majority, we go into the season with a pretty clear idea on who the MVP is and who's probably going to be in the finals at the end of the year. Um, this year, I'm not confident with either of those. And with the MVP race, I put a TikTok out about it. There's six guys who have a legitimate argument for being number one in MVP votes. And then there's four or five more that have an argument for putting themselves in the hat. Um, But Giannis, Jokic, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, they're all having MVP first, like first place vote type seasons right now. It's absurd how lucky we are and the players we, me and you get to watch um, it's it's arguable that all of these guys are kind of one of a kinders. Yeah. Um, like Kevin Durant will never see another Kevin Durant. Giannis will never see another Giannis. Jokic will never see another one. Joel Embiid will never see another one. Luca, it's very arguable we'll never see another Luca. Tatum, the skill set seems a little bit transferable, but yeah. just how special he is and how funny he is to watch makes him yeah. like unique. We're blessed, and that's kind of just what I'm realizing this NBA season, like. Half the time you turn on a game of one of these guys, you're going to see something you've never seen before. And all of these guys are on stupid efficiency, stupid, like just raw stats, stupid impact to their teams. It's just so fun to watch. And we're like, it's the coolest NBA season we've had in a really long time. It really is, man. And then you leave out names like Donovan Mitchell's putting up 28 points on 62% true shooting. Yeah. And I don't think I can put him above any of those top six guys. No John way. Morant, 27, 6, and 8 on relatively okay efficiency. I couldn't put him above any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea who's going to win MVP at the end of the season. My prediction is it's either going to be Luka or it's going to be the team with the most wins. I think Luca has taken this by the balls at this point. Um, even though his team is not like dominating by any stretch, what he's doing though is so unique. It's kind of the Jokic thing of last year where it's just like, all right, no one else is doing this. Right. And no one's coming close to doing this. Um, I think it's either Doncic or Tatum or Jokic. Those are the three guys I personally think it's going to go to. Tatum, even though his numbers are outlandish and his impact is outlandish, it almost feels disrespected. It does. because He's more Jokic. than just the best player on the best team. He's yeah. having a fantastic season. 31 right. points a game. Like how it's that speaks to how impressive these players are, right? They're making 31 points per game go overlooked. Yeah. Um not a lot of players can do that. Jokic and Luka are making that possible. Jokic every single night, it feels like he's doing something stupid. Uh, an off night for Jokic is 19, 12, and 12 on like 78% shooting. Yeah. That's like complete domination of a basketball game. Yes. And here's some numbers for you. Joel Embiid in the month of December, here are the point totals. 35 points, 39, 38, 53, 31, 34, 28, 22, 44, 35, 48, 37 in one month. I, I want to state for the record, 
I think Joel Embiid, just because he's lost the last two MVPs, maybe isn't appreciated enough as he has to be. This dude is freaking crazy. Yeah. He's seven foot two, like 270 pounds. Like he's mm-hmm. a massive human being, but his touch, his handle, his feel for the game, his defensive impact. I'm being serious when I say we'll never see a Joel Embiid again. We won't. We just won't see it. Because we won't. Ha- Hakeem Olajuwon, we'll never see another one of him. But Embiid kind of has that footwork and touch, except he's just like two inches taller and 70 pounds heavier than Hakeem was. And he's pulling up from mid-range in three. Like, it's just stupid shit we get to see every single night. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Joel Embiid's putting up unbelievable numbers and he's not first place in mvp votes i don't think in anyone's eyes no one um and he's been incredible and he's on the second best defense in basketball and he is their entire defensive engine um a quick little joel and beat aside on the loss to the pelicans something that i noticed talked about on twitter a lot the crunch time joel and bead took a six or seven straight jumpers and either missed or turned the ball over trying to get to his spots. And Zion attacked the paint, got to the bucket, and got free throws. Um, I think it takes a lot out of your body to bang in the paint like that for 40 minutes a game for your entire career, and I get why Embiid does it. Yeah, uh, But there's certain, certainly times where you want him to just get in the paint and dunk on a guy. He's always had this issue. Yeah. You can go back to his rookie year. Because he can hit the mid range, he wants to shoot it, mm-hmm. even though he's seven foot two and 280 pounds. Yep. You know, Shaq and Barkley have been all over him for this in the past. I think everyone who's a fan of Philly has been over him at some point in time where it's just like, dude, you're bigger and stronger than literally everyone out there. Just go dominate. Mm-hmm. But because he has such a nice touch and feel, he likes to explore other shot options. Zion's just like, I'm barreling towards the paint no matter what. It's a little bit of a mindset difference, but. Yeah, that doesn't really take away from what he's doing. Not 33 points, 53% shooting from the floor, 85% from the free throw line. We're so lucky, dude. That's honestly what I ju- it just comes down to. And I don't know. I'm okay with any of these guys winning MVP. That's the cool thing. Like, I don't think someone's going to get robbed. Like, I think whoever wins it deserves it. Who's going to be robbed is the guy who doesn't even land top five. Yes. And Kevin Durant has a 37 and five season on, you know, 64% true shooting. And he ends yeah. up sixth in MVP votes. Yeah. That's going to be who got robbed. Um, people are not going to be able to appreciate this season when they look back on it and appreciate the greatness of these players right now. And the forgotten guy is Steph Curry because yeah. he's hurt. He's been hurt. Right. But when he was playing, he was doing something no one's ever done. Yes. And Kevin Durant's doing the same thing now, where it's like they're hitting levels of efficiency that haven't been sniffed by any player ever. These guys And they're jump shooters, which makes mm-hmm. it even more unique. They're not like Robert Williams types guys where they're only catching oops. They're hitting moving jumpers at efficiency of Robert Williams catching lobs, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's, it doesn't make sense. Both of these guys are doing it. If Curry played as many games as KD, he'd be in the thick of it too. This is a very special and unique NBA season we're getting this season. Yeah, in a normal year, a guy like Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young, or not Trey Young, sorry, but John Morant or yeah. Zion would start getting like, does this guy deserve top five MVP vote sort of conversations? Right. And it's impossible to even pretend to have that conversation right now. And another guy like Devin Booker, before yeah. he got hurt, he was fucking incredible. Like there's yeah. so many options. There's so many good players. 
that's why I think we're leading up to one of the coolest postseasons we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep projecting out because the regular season performances we see night to night, those only get amplified when the stakes are higher and like the pressure's on. So to see these guys just go to war in a do or die situation, I- I'm stoked. Me too, man. It's going to be excellent. I think it's I think it's going to be the case that the conference finals are the more, most exciting series. Eastern Conference Finals, if it's Celtics-Nets, if it's Celtics-Bucks, if it's Bucks-Nets, any of those matchups are going to be so exciting. And then when you go over to the West and you just look at how much of a bloodbath it's been recently, I have no idea who's going to be the one seed at the end of the season. Um, There are seven teams that are within three wins of the one seed. It doesn't make sense how deep and how competitive the NBA is right now. I think this is the perfect time for an expansion. I know that's like <laughs> such a total, such a let's, total out of nowhere. Let's do it though. Let's have the conversation because there's so much talent throughout this league, right? That it would make sense to add the extra two teams. Like if you just look at the Western conference alone, like it's so contested. It's so competitive. The 10th seed is almost at 500. Utah's mm-hmm. 19 and 20. Like Minnesota has Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels. They're out of the play-in. Yeah. It's absurd how much talent is in this league right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If you added two teams, the the hierarchy would be a lot more clear. The difference between the very yeah. best and the middle and the bottom would be a lot more clear. But that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, We know it's coming eventually. I'd say within the next five years, we're probably getting an expansion. Uh, we know Seattle's one of them. I don't know if it's going to be Vegas or Mexico City or where it's going to be. Um, but I really do think it's the perfect time with the talent in the NBA right now. Even even teams like in the East, right? We talk about how deep the West is. Toronto, 16 and 20. They're out of the play-in. Yeah. They have Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Fleet. Like they have Res- Pascal, who should mm-hmm. be like all NBA this year. Atlanta's the nine seed, and they just traded three first round picks for an all star in <laughs> DeJounte Murray. Exactly. Like this is funky shit. You can be a you can be a fan of a team who's very talented and then be a bottom five team like the Orlando Magic. Like every time I watch the Magic, I'm like, dude, they have talent, but because the teams they're facing are so stacked, they can't get over the hump. This league's so fun, dude. This is the I've been enjoying basketball this season more than I have in a long time. It feels like any game you tune into, or eighty percent of the games you tune into, there's occasionally going to be a Rockets Pacers game I have to turn <laughs> off. Or you know, the Pacers are good this year, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I got um, you. Almost any game you turn on this year, you're going to see really, really entertaining shit. You're going to see a really fun team. It's hard to label like if you're going to pick a top three league pass teams. Yeah. I don't know that I have a list. I think I, Nuggets are, I mean, I think the uh, Pelicans are on there. Yeah. I think they're the number one. But after that, man, I have no idea. You can kind of turn on any team any night and be very happy with what you're watching. Yeah. I, that makes this league very unique. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, before we go completely, just yeah. a quick, quick, quick thing. The Minnesota Timberwolves lost by 12 points to the Pistons yesterday. I saw that. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has unfollowed the Minnesota Timberwolves on Instagram and on his social medias. Yeah. Uh, we, I don't care about that, but it's just a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, absolute turmoil going on in Minnesota right now. Yeah, Nas Reed was asked why they're underachieving. And his answer was, we know why we're underachieving, but we have to keep that in house. I can't tell you guys that. (laughs) 
um what Uh oh <laughs> wow that sounds like a mutiny in the locker room to yeah. me um whether it's against gobert whether it's against finch i have no idea but something is so wrong in this mm-hmm. organization whether it is gobert or whether it is you know people are forgetting carl anthony towns hasn't played um, yeah. And he won't be playing anytime soon. So there's only really room to go down. Mm-hmm. Utah potentially is getting a very valuable pick this year from yeah. this team. I think when that trade was made, people were kind of projecting, okay, Utah will have some pretty nice picks five years down the line. Nope, it's right here and now that they're getting value out of that trade. So this will be super interesting to see what Utah does with that pick, obviously, and if the Timberwolves make a massive change soon. Yeah, feels awful to be a Timberwolves fan. Um, if you're old enough to see what they did to Kevin Garnett, and now you get to watch this, it's just tough year after year, generation after generation to see them squander talent. Um, who knows what comes next? I think a potential, I've, I've heard rumblings of a potential Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young swap. Yeah. Um, that feels kind of perfect. It does. Um, who knows what comes next, though? I think for me, what I'm starting to think about is when do players start to consider not to take their rookie contracts, right? Yeah. Because I view Anthony Edwards as one of the premier young players in the entire league. Um, Yes, he's been doing it on a losing team this year, but he's still a bucket. He's averaging career highs in every single statistical category. He may not have taken the jump I was expecting to be like an MVP candidate, but he's still an unbelievable player. If Tim Connolly looks him in the face and says, I'm going to offer you a max deal, but you have to be with us for the next five years. Are you cool with that? Knowing that there's virtually no way they can improve the team with all their picks going to Utah and they Carl Towns may stay, may go. You're stuck with Rudy Gobert into his late, late prime, probably all the way till the time he's washed. Like if you're Ant Edwards, are you happy about signing that contract? Or do you go, you know what? The Dallas Mavs need a shooting guard. Let me go play with fucking Luka Doncic for the next 10 years and just win some championships. Like, how do you reconcile that if you're a young player like Ant? I think it's tough. Young players don't win as much as we expect them to. Like, it takes a while yeah. for them to get into that. Um, at 21 years old, I think Anthony Edwards would rather have $240 million or whatever. Yeah. than like a little bit extra legacy points for playing right. on a team of Luka Doncic. Um, I think if the rookie extension ever could match what another team could offer, they'd be out the door, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a ridiculous boost that you're able to offer your player if you keep him and give him a rookie extension. It's hard for anybody to deny it. I think it's like an extra $12 million a year. Yeah. Which is just like, how do you compete with yeah. that if – you're another organization. And what if you go to another team and you don't win and now you turn down $12 million a year, uh, you know, look cooler or to get to get away from Minnesota, you know, there's so much that you can't predict. And that's totally fair. And I I just think I'm sad because he's going to have to deal with incompetence for a while. And this is a player I view as a very special franchise changing type of guy. And I think, you know, he's brought the culture, I think, like his attitude and his attitude towards basketball is something I would want to play aside. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have D'Lo uh, around him, Rudy Gobert, who's on the back burners of his career, and Carl Anthony Towns, who can't guard anyone. I, I just, 
the foundation's so shaky and he kind of seems like the only guy I would want to put money on to succeed. So I don't know. I just feel bad for him. Him and McDaniels. I mean, I think there's still a strategy. I think there's still a path for this team to get, get good. I think shipping out D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. And if you could do a cat for Trey Young swap, I think I would kind of love that. Um, yeah. I honestly like Trey Young and Rudy Gobert together seems like a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, it, Rudy Gobert is just best version of Clint Capella. Yes. Yeah. But Clint Capella's got hands and Rudy Gobert does not have hands. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows where the Timberwolves go from here? They thought they were going to be, you know, top tier this year and the odds of them being a four seed or zero percent. Um, Utah's getting another excellent pick this year. And it's just year after year, this trade could go could look even worse. Right now, we're already saying 30 games in. This may be the worst trade that's ever happened. Uh, <laughs> you know, imagine next year when the Timberwolves are worse and people are more upset and the team chemistry is even more shit. Like, who knows? Dude, Dan- has Danny Ainge lost a trade ever? <laughs> I don't know, man. If Danny Ainge calls me, I fucking block him <laughs> if I'm an NBA GM, honestly. <laughs> It's a like this is ridiculous. Even yeah. the Cavs trade, right? Like to me, I was like, "Oh, that's a surefire win for the Cavs." He gets an All NBA type player out of it with Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, like Laurie Markkinen's on one this year. Forty three percent from three, seven attempts a game. It's absurd. So yeah. even in a trade where I thought, "Okay, you gave up a bag of beans for Donovan <laughs> Mitchell," he gets a fucking All NBA caliber player out of it. It's yeah. absurd. Danny Ainge, best GM in the league, unquestioned. Uh, it makes me embarrassed I was ever a hater, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's not the best at drafting talent. Maybe he's got to stop drafting short score first point guards. Um, <laughs> and like not Romeo Langford, but Romeo Langford just put up 23 for the Spurs the other day. Aaron I knew Nisbet you were going to talk about that. <laughs> I knew once I saw that on Twitter, I was like, I'm going to hear this from Ben eventually. <laughs> like he's going to bring it up. Oh my God. But even like you said, like even with the talent he's drafted, okay. He drafted Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Martin, Robert Williams. Yeah. So it's and like Grant Williams, what he does for Utah in this next five years with all of Cleveland's picks and the Timberwolves picks and his own, mm-hmm. we're going to see some fuck shit from Utah, man. This is going to be a sleeper dynasty. Yeah. Oh, it's coming, man. Already with Laurie Markin and being as good as he is with the picks they're about to get. Utah yeah. is going to be scary very quickly. Yeah. I think that'll fun. do it, though. That was a long one. Yeah, that was a long one, but it was fun. So, yeah, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch Thank you later. You. Peace. Peace out.